Welcome to Hope with Jonathan. I'm Jonathan Trailer, a kidney transplant recipient. Based on my near-death experience with kidney failure, we now spotlight kidney patient story, giving them a platform to express their personal journey with battling kidney disease, kidney failure, dialysis, waiting for kidney transplant, and much more. We share stories of hope right here on the Hope with Jonathan podcast. Hope with Jonathan podcast is a Hope Media production. Never let hope become a memory. Hope with Jonathan podcast is a Hope Media production. Hey guys, on this week's episode of Hope with Jonathan, I have an exciting guest for you, Erica Nikolic. Erica is doing amazing things in the kidney disease, chronic illness community by featuring different ambassadors and kidney warriors and people who have battled and overcome great obstacles in their life. And she has a show over on Instagram called Changemakers that she hosts on Monday evenings. If you're not already checking that out over on Instagram, you need to check it again. Check it out again, guys. That's Changemakers with Erica Nikolic, and she's incredible, guys. Uh, she's interviewed. Uh, I've been on her show. There's been a lot of different pay, uh, people that's you know been featured on her show that are incredible. And uh, she's an incredible individual, incredible advocate for organ donation and kidney disease and uh, people who are suffering and living with uh, dialysis and uh, in need of a living kidney donor. And uh, she's got a documentary. um, Hopefully it will release uh, pretty soon. Uh, We talk about it inside of this um, podcast and uh, it's an incredible documentary. I actually play um, a feature and uh, some clips of it inside of this interview. And we discussed, you know, her reasonings of why she wanted to, uh, do a documentary on, uh, organ donation and people living, uh, on, you know, with, uh, kidney disease and, uh, living on dialysis and awaiting a kidney transplant. We also, we also talk about, um, disparities, uh, within the urban uh, community and uh, people of color uh, who suffer with uh, issues within the kidney transplant uh, community regarding uh, receiving kidneys and uh, or anyone that's uh, receiving uh, any sort of a transplant, whether it be kidney or lung or heart. Um, you know, there are uh, discrepancies and uh, issues uh, amongst the organ donation world 
with um, with with regards to race and creed and uh, things like that. So we we have to look at things like this and we have to talk about it. And uh, we talk about we talk about it inside of uh, the podcast as well. And uh, if if you're anything like me, you know that you know we don't we don't agree about that. We don't we don't think Hope with Jonathan does not support anything uh, that doesn't show love to anyone out there. I, I do not believe that anyone should ever be uh, withheld or are put to the back of the line. Uh, based upon their their race, color, creed, sexual orientation, uh, no matter what the uh, demographic is, uh, no one should suffer uh, with uh, organ failure and uh, be placed uh, in a certain uh, demographic when it comes to uh, transplant. And so Hope with Jonathan, that's our stand, is that uh, we believe everyone should have a fair chance and we believe that everyone should uh, have a, a fair play across the board, uh, not only with transplant, but in everything, in every aspect of life. And uh, that's been our stance from day one. And that's how I was raised. And that's how I'll continue to believe until the good Lord takes me home. Uh, but, uh, you know, there are discrepancies and there's things that happen, uh, you know, amongst the uh, transplant community, uh, whether they want to talk about it or not. Um, you know, it, it is a kind of a, you know, it is a touchy subject, but it is things that, you know, need to be discussed with, amongst the community. Uh, if we don't talk about it, then it's just going to continue. So, um, but with Erica, man, like I said, she's a, she's an amazing, uh, advocate for organ donation and, uh, raising awareness. And she, like I said, guys, she's got that show over there, uh, change makers on Monday nights, check her out on Instagram. Um, change makers erica nicolik hope you guys will find this podcast informative it's an awesome podcast really had a lot of fun with erica uh she's incredible go check her out again guys check us out hopewithjonathan.com if you haven't already hit subscribe on that youtube what are you waiting for we love to have you inside of our family thanks again guys for all your support god bless you stay safe out there remember to spread love to everyone it's free. And remember to take care of your kitties. God bless. This is Jonathan. Thank you for the intro. I loved it. Oh, you're, you're welcome, Erica. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you. Thank you. <laughs> and so, um, I, you know, I, I've been on your show, the uh, Change Makers and stuff. And I was like, you know what? One day I've got to have Erica on the show. Uh, she's just doing great things. And uh, I seen you just interviewed uh, one of my uh, good buddies, uh, Will Sporter uh, on your show. So, um, and many others. <laughs> right. And you know, he was a nomination, um, by PJ. So that was PJ's nomination. What was your nomination? I, I think I, I think I either gave you, uh, wheels at one and then maybe, uh, oh, Philip, Phil, but yeah, was it Philip? Okay. Uh, yeah. Next. I think a lot of people recommended Philip because Ed yeah. recommended Philip too. So I think yeah. maybe you recommended Philip yeah. and then yeah. Philip recommended you and wills. So yeah. I think the guy you from, well, yeah, he gave me a couple. So yeah. A shout out to, uh, uh, Philip Harris Jones Jr. And, uh, to Faro cook with the, uh, a second chance, uh, podcast. And, uh, they're, do they're doing great things in the community, mm -hmm. uh, kidney community and, uh, just transplant organ donation community. Uh, they're, 
they're great influencers and uh they're they're good buddies matter, matter of fact we're partnering up again gonna do a uh another uh another um uh session of uh dialysis it's gonna be a conference on mm-hmm. uh dialysis and uh we'll be doing that soon uh, in february so uh really exciting uh, to be working with those guys, uh, great, great people. So, but Erica, the, uh, this show is all about you. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from? Uh, maybe if you know you got children, family, uh, and that that type of stuff. Well, my name is Erica. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, born and raised. I'm currently here now under I don't know how many feet inches of snow. So um, it, it's very nostalgic because I remember, you know, now my son is going to school and you know, having to get up in all of that snow and go to school. So, you know, sending him to school and all the snow is, you know, kind of nostalgic. Um, mm-hmm. So, but he's, I have a five-year-old and um, mm-hmm. yeah, my, my journey to making films was really, uh, really just something that was always in me from a young age. I was writing stories. I always loved to read. So it started with the love of books and, you know, it segued into a love of story, which segued into a love of, you mm-hmm. know, just culture and and then social justice and activism. Mm-hmm. So, you know, film is one great way where you can do all of that. You can have um, a lot of all of those things combined into one film, you know. So I felt like that was the proper medium for me to to work in, in order to sort of satiate that desire to tell stories, that that de- desire to to move the needle on issues in the community and still be artistic. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so, at at what point did you decide that uh, that that was going to be like the the driving thing in your life that you wanted to maybe get involved with doing like film and all that type of stuff. When did, when did it actually hit you? Well, it hit me while I was in law school. And it's funny because when you decide, when you go to into a professional career and you've always had this sort of ache to do mm-hmm. something, um, you know, because I started in music. Music was my first, very first love. Um, and I wanted to be, you know, to sing. And, you know, writing and reading was just sort of a part of, you know, school. That's just something you did with school, but I always did it casually. But the goal was to be a singer. And, um, you know, somewhere along the line, I convinced myself that, um, you know, that, you know, I didn't want, I was in Detroit and, you know, I was in, this is funny, I was in this lounge and this is very bizarre. And I saw this woman, she was, you know, older and, you know, and she, you know, no, no disrespect to this woman or whatever. Um, but it was just sort of this moment where, you know, she looked like she had been drinking a lot, like her lashes <laughs> were kind of falling off. And it just made me feel like, oh, maybe I don't, maybe this isn't where I want to sort of be, you know, mm-hmm. in the future. I don't, you know, I don't want to end up, you know, like heavily drinking because when you're in a bar, that's what you mm-hmm. do. You end up drinking and you mm-hmm. end up staying up all night. And that's just what happens with musicians. You know, that's just the life that you live mm-hmm. when you're doing music and doing shows. You just end up, um, you know, abusing your body and just, you know, uh, you know, getting into a lot of things that come with the night, you know. So sure. I just kind of felt like, oh, well, maybe, you know, that wasn't for me. But while in law school, I, you know, couldn't go out. 
So, you know, I would leave the library really, really late. And then there was Blockbuster. <laughs> so I go to Blockbuster. So you know how long ago this was, right? Mm -hmm. There was Blockbuster on the corner and I would just start um, taking out films and, you know, I'd have me a nice big stack of films that I would watch because there was no Netflix. There was not even the little right. red, <laughs> the red thing that's at yep. the gas station now. There wasn't even uh, red box, red box. Yeah. So, you know, we had, I had, you know, so I get a big stack of movies and then um, I just started watching them and I believe I ran out of movies to watch. So I started in the foreign titles. I watched everything from every single foreign film and from Switzerland and, you know, France and Italy and, you know, and I just sort of <laughs> got the bug, you know, yeah. and started going yeah. deeper and deeper and deeper into film theory and to the concepts of, you know, art and because I love photography already. So then I just, you know, I just was all wide open and following directors and, you know, finding symbolism in the art. And yeah. um, it just, my yeah. whole eyes just lit up with, you know, how films could be um, used to promote so many different messages. Um, yeah. So that really was my first launch into getting bitten by the bug because then it was like, oh, telling stories. And then that whole passion of loving books and stories came back to me. And so then I thought, oh, okay, this is gelling. This is all making sense. Sure. And yeah, so then I just started to learn the craft of making a film, you know. Wow. Uh, and that's yeah. how it started. You sound a lot like me, like uh, in the, I was born in the 70s. I was 77. I grew up in the 80s and then yep. the nine, in, in, the, in the 90s, I was a, a, a teenager and I went through high school. I graduated in 95. Yeah, uh, but I watched a lot of v VHS, and then we progressed mm -hmm. to DVD, and then eventually got into Blu-ray, which come later on. But uh, I remember sifting through like movies at like uh, one store called Red Draft Red, uh, Video was like Red mm -hmm. Draft uh, Video. There was a Blockbuster. God, there were so many different movie places, and I would go. Mm -hmm. We would get like uh, <laughs> I'm telling my age for real, but we would have to actually rent the VHS player. Uh, because we didn't own a VHS player. <laughs> and so we had to rent the VHS player and then buy like or rent all the tapes. And I don't know, we used to get all kinds because we would like order a pizza over the weekend and have mm -hmm. a bunch of movies mm -hmm. and uh, stuff like that. So I remember doing all that. And I always love film. I always like mm -hmm. watch a lot of film. Uh, I was really into um, mysteries and uh, like murder mysteries and things like that. But I watched a lot of comedy films and a lot of like 80s style films, like John Hughes type of films, things like that. So um, we have, you know, we have some things in common. I probably would have got along with you really well right. <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a kid. <laughs> but um, for sure. Uh, no, that's awesome though. And then, you know, and then now that I might kind of my love of film kind of broke away from that. Now I like doing these live type of interview type things with podcasting. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's really interesting, but so let, let's talk a little bit about how you got involved with your project of uh, let there be life documentary. So what, what caused you to want to get involved in that? Well, initially when I started looking at the subject, it was more global. Mm -hmm. um, interest. Um, I had read a couple articles about uh, the black organ market mm -hmm. and what was happening in Brazil or 
Mexico and it kind of piqued my interest. And at the time, my mom, she was working on a board, the International Association of Organ Donation is now defunct that was in um, Michigan. And um, she was on the board. And when I kind of was, you know, just putting the idea out there to people that I knew, they actually started saying, well, you know, your uncle passed. And that was the reason why he had passed. And, you know, from that moment, it was, it's crazy. And this is, this is how it's not discussed, right? Mm -hmm. This is, you know, in uncle being my, my grandmother's brother. So my mm -hmm. great uncle mm -hmm. had had two failed transplants and, you know, she brought it to my attention that, you know, how he struggled because by this time I had gone off to college and I hadn't been back home. And I really wasn't in touch with what was happening with the family. You know, I've been abroad and um, she told me that, um, you know, how he suffered. And, you know, he was one of my, my grandmother had 11 brothers and sisters, you know, so he was absolutely one of my favorites. And um, from that moment of realizing that, you know, this may be something that I need to do for the community, um, I just pivot, I just did a hard pivot and just stop, you know, researching or looking at anything global, especially as a first time filmmaker, you know, your, your budget, <laughs> you know, shooting in Brazil versus shooting in Detroit. I'm in Absolutely. Cleveland. Okay. Let's do the bath. It would be much easier to shoot in Detroit. And so, and that's really how it came to be. I thought, all right, logistically, this makes more sense. Mm -hmm. and I started to peel back the layers, the onion of that it is, that is organ donation and the topic. And I started to really dig into what people were experiencing and what um, uh -huh. and what exactly was the major public health crisis that is this, this organ shortage. You know, so when when I think back to when I started it, I really wasn't aware of what that was and how you know, severe it was and how deeply rooted it ran in our community. Mm -hmm. Well, I would like to play for our people that is what that are watching right now. And uh, all the all the folks that are watching, uh, I want you guys to go over and check out the website. It's um, let there be life documentary. I believe it's dot com uh, yeah. that you guys can pull this clip from if you'd like to go over and get a little more information about I'm going to go ahead and play this clip really quick. And then when we come uh, back, we'll, we'll, we'll still be on the screen. Uh, but I'd like to play this clip for those that have never seen it before. And uh, so that they'll have an idea of what this is uh, all about. And so I'm going to go ahead and play that now. And then when we come back, I'll have a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. Sure. hit with the illness you know it just took away all my uh, reference points so it plays havoc with your mind and your body you know so it took away my voice and the first time in my life I've ever been scared well I was diagnosed with it when I was four and I started dialysis 2007 so two years ago get a 
food, I don't have to sleep on the machine on. I can use the bathroom. I just never thought about it too much. It ain't something that you know run across your mind every day. Well, you know, I really not an oven donor. I really don't know that much about being an oven donor. I figured I'd leave out with what I came in with. I just don't want to. Right? It's kind of creepy and scary when you actually think about it. That's probably the little old Christian stigma sticking with you, you know, the body, the purification. Who would it go to? Would this person be a good person? Like if you get somebody's eyes or organs, you know, what are you going to turn into? Rich people are in cahoots sometimes with the ambulance, the EMS drivers and stuff like that. I don't want nobody to not give me the care that I need because they're trying to harvest my organs for somebody else wealthy or something. After you pass, what they do is take your body and take all the organs that they need. And then after that, they would just automatically uh, cremate you and your family don't get you. There's a lot of fear, misconceptions. So what we try to do is educate the community. And you know, you find a lot in the minority community, but I find the entire community have the same misconception. We just have more in one area than another. We want to make sure that we, there aren't any loss of lives because somebody didn't think to say yes. Yes is a very powerful word, and so that's our mission. Some people may say, if it's your time, it's your time. But stuff happens to people, and it may not be time. You can be living through somebody else. Hey. I might donate my eyes and somebody be living through me. They'll be able to see. Yo, make some noise for the house, man! Come on, we're gonna do it like this. We're gonna do this for you, bub. survive and live with the disease it's not gonna get me down i'm not gonna be defeated every time i get up on stage it's a plus you know i probably get people clapping and glad to see me back there the other night because they know how much what i do means to me and who i am you know it's just me Wow, that that looks incredible. I I like how you it seemed like you had somebody from all kind of walks of life, different different ages in there. And um it, it looks amazing. Where can where can people find the documentary? Is it is it available yet? Not yet. We are in post production. Post production. Post production. We are editing the film now. Well, I I I'm editing the film now. Mm -hmm. um, and um, so a lot of what's in the trailer was shot in. Um, it's okay, baby. You got it. Okay, thank you. Um, a lot of what was shot in the trailer was in New Orleans. So it, it's shot in New Orleans, Detroit, and Chicago. So mm -hmm. there's three major cities um, 
it, the cities also play a major role in it. They're also like um, uh, a character in the film as well. So <laughs> they, they play yeah. a huge role because each city has its own um, sort of life. Yeah, it's got its own vibe, its own flavor. Yeah, I mean, New Orleans is kind of a, a book all by itself. And then you got, you said Chicago as well. Chicago and each city has, you know, it has its own issues, you know, mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I, I noticed on the on there that at that time it said 29% of African-Americans are, are waiting uh, for a, a life-saving organ. Was that Was that kidney? A life-saving organ. These are kidneys. Mm -hmm. kidneys. And Kidney. Yes. And it could have been. I can't recall. This trailer was our first trailer. It doesn't include the third character either because there was a third character okay. that, that was added later on after we um, continued and we wanted to round it out a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it shot in Chicago and Detroit and New Orleans. You know, in, in Chicago, they have a, you know, a huge violent crime high violent crime rate oh yeah you know and you know of course in new orleans there's the food so <laughs> when you think about the numbers of people that are leaving this earth you know and how they could be protecting themselves and their bodies and mm -hmm. so we also want to talk about you know prevention i mean in yeah. the film we can't cover you know gun violence as well as you know access to health care as well as like nutrition and but these things, as you know, are all the things that lead up to uh, needing an organ or ending up um, in a situation where you could be a potential donor. And as we're looking at an organ shortage, yeah. you know, with so much violent crime, if there, you know, not that we want there to be violent crime, but the fact that there is, and so many people aren't donors, there yeah. is a large number of exactly and you, and you mentioned the word prevention and as mm -hmm. you know you know type 2 diabetes hypertension are the top two leading causes of chronic kidney disease mm -hmm. and uh it does affect the african-american community uh largely because of you know a lot of people have the type 2 diabetes hypertension i mean it, it, it's across the board i mean you know you have african-american hispanic white people have it uh, does, you know, doesn't discriminate uh, against, you know, age, race, sexual orientation, anything. I'm talking, I'm referring to kidney failure, kidney disease. It doesn't discriminate against anyone. Um, you know, if you're, if you're type two diabetic hypertensive, you can definitely fall into the lines of uh, kidney failure really quickly. Uh, it doesn't take too long. You, you, you know, I was walking around with high blood sugars and uncontrolled blood sugars and hypertension for for a while and then all of a sudden boom it hit me and so you have to definitely uh be careful uh with that but is that is that what you're trying to show light here though is that uh on in the documentary is that uh with people you want to show prevention about you know dietary and things like that or are you more focused on the organ donation well here's the thing as you edit you learn that you go in many different directions, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and it, when I started the film, it was a lot about access to healthcare because this was shot right after Katrina. So a lot of what we were, ex what people were experiencing were closing down of hospitals, people mm. with these chronic illnesses, not getting their medications, um, wow. not being followed up on. If you have a pain, 
um, if you're having swelling, not having anywhere to go to get checked out to see if that could be, you know, leading to organ failure or which stage um, of kidney disease you may be at. So, you know, that was a huge part of it. And so a lot of, you know, talking to the Department of Health and a lot of clinics that were, you know, community clinics that were servicing the people and how they were overrun. So at that point, because this has been shot since, you know, close now to 12 years, as the years have gone by, there have been, you know, a lot of transitioning in terms of issues and what the film has covered. Um, but what I realize is that this film in its most powerful state should represent the experience, right? Sure. The experience sure. of the individuals and and prevention and all of that comes through it, you know, right. from through the stories. You know, Theral, who you saw in the trailer, he is a musician. We were just talking about that. And, you know, um, and he suffered um, child abuse where he was abused and he wasn't nurtured and issues like that will come up. You know, it's not just people are turning to drugs and alcohol and abusing their bodies. There's a whole there's a whole string of reasons like little boys that aren't nurtured who are abused in their homes who don't value their life for themselves you know mm. end up treating themselves poorly and then of course this is the chain where you end up at yeah. organ failure in stage re renal disease yeah. so you, you, you look at all those things yeah, you mentioned Katrina, man. I couldn't imagine being on dialysis and then like where do you go get treatment at that point? Is this mass pandemonium? Uh they had people at the um, at the at the uh New Orleans uh football, the the, the dome. The dome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they had people there and they said bodies were just floating down the you know, down the street. And it was this man. I mean, I just couldn't imagine, you know, because dialysis is just when you're on dialysis, it's like a whole nother, you know, world, you know, because you're you're living on that machine, you know, and you got to get to your treatment every other day, you know, and then it's just I couldn't imagine going through that nightmare. I mean, you're losing everything around you and then, you know, you got to do dialysis. So that had to have been so traumatic. Uh, I mean, just unreal. No access, you said, to. uh you know, like hospital care or uh, getting your medications. And some patients, unfortunately, are not as engaged with their treatment. Some don't even know what type of medications are on or what their pills even look like and things like that. So it's just, it's crazy. Um, that, that, that had to have been hard uh, to watch or, or to even deal with. I couldn't imagine that. No, I agree. And, you know, we went down to film four years after the storm. Yeah. So this was the, the carnage of, you know, a four year delay. And we were still sh was shooting in the ninth ward and it's just total, yeah. dis still chaos, just, you know, wreckage everywhere, houses still, you know, torn, torn down. And, yeah. and so that was, at the time, that was really a huge part of the film and, what I realize now is that through each individual's experience, you will see all of that because Thero had to had to move to Chicago, you know, in order to start doing dialysis. And so you'll see Thero in Chicago for a little while as well throughout the film. And yeah. 
you know, and, you know, he even did a whole album called Theral in Exile because, you know, as a musician, he, he was no longer in New Orleans. He felt like he had been exiled. Yeah. So that he had to express himself in a different manner there. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. you know, he yeah. found solace in creating his art like so many, so what, many artists do. What? What was the morale like of the people that you interviewed? What what was their demeanor? What was their morale like while they were going through this process of, of living on dialysis and, and needing a life-saving organ as, as a minority? What what was the morale like? Oh, it was it was awful. When I say, you know, um, you know, asking the question, how are you coping? And, you know, you'll see um in the film is exactly how traumatic it is um, mm. to go from, you know, living a certain life. And, and what Daryl admits is that even though it is traumatic, he felt like he was in the best shape of his life. Like for the first time he had actually, you know, having that mortality bite and being face to face with death, that's when he mm. really started taking care of himself. And he said, you know, despite it all, he's now as healthy as he's ever been. He lost a ton of weight and, you know, he just looked great and was taking care of his health. But he mentally and emotionally, he was, you know, very, very much struggling. And I think that is really that mirrors the experience, even for the other patients who weren't associated with Katrina, you know. Yeah. I, I noticed that you had a, a young girl on there. She said she was uh, seven years old or nine years old. How old was she? Nine. She said she started dialysis when she was nine, but. Nine. Mm -hmm. mm, I couldn't imagine the nine. I mean, you haven't even hit teenage, you know, teen years yet, which teen years can be rough. I mean, mm -hmm. I've interviewed people that said they started dialysis as a teenager, but mm -hmm. I, I mean, that nine years old, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's just in such an impressionable age. Um, wow. That's incredible. Do you, do you know anything about her story uh, currently, how she's doing and things like that? Well, you have to watch the film. <laughs> yeah. But she's, but she is 24 now. 24. Wow. Mm -hmm. She's 24 now and she is living. She just had a birthday and she's living in Detroit. Um, you know, she moved around a lot, um, which, you know, is, is really, um, complicated when you're on trying to get on a list and get a, a kidney. So, you know, she was with the military family. So, um, her, her stepdad was in the military. So there was a lot of moving around. So that is an issue as well. And a lot of that comes out too, in her story. Yeah. about the struggles of, you know, just maintaining a position on the list. What are what are some disparities that uh, minorities face when they're needing a life-saving organ? Well, you know, simply the wait time, you know, it's they tend to wait much longer. Um, and, you know, and that's just the reality of it. And, you know, sometimes they don't even get an organ they'll either wait or die and um you you quickly realize that a lot of it is um 
I mean, there's so many factors. And when you try to pull, pull out, um, you know, whether or not people are okay asking family members, um, whether or not people, um, whether or not family members, I mean, you talked about the, the, I don't know, the usual suspects that lead to organ failure, such as high diabetes and high blood pressure, hypertension. Sure. You can't donate if you know if you have if you're hypertensive, you know right. if you have any of these chronic illnesses. And a lot of right. times, um, African Americans are are largely or disproportionately affected by these chronic illnesses. So yeah. that automatically slashes your donor pool like yeah. straight down the middle. Um, and so it, it's a a need to just overall. Uh, overhaul of the the health of the community, of um, of individuals, of having those conversations within your family to make sure that um, you understand that hey, you know, this is something I want to do, with the ultimate goal to be, you know, alleviating the organ shortage, right? If we have sure. a public health crisis of of organ shortage, mm-hmm. how do we? alleviate that and right. just thinking about um the how is we have to start with not needing to get the transplant in the first place but then when you have someone like asia you know she had the uh, this is always the focal glomerul oh fsgs fsgs and i'm dyslexic yep. so i never know where to put the g i'm always <laughs> like this is fgs yes <laughs> i got um, you Right. Thank you. See, you're the expert. Um, yeah, and, it's uh, cirrhosis of the glomerule is mm, what it is. Yep. It's, that, uh, it's a rough one. And, and, and you can explain more about it, but it, here's the thing. She, you know, was forward. It took them, you know, so many years to figure out what it was, you know, yeah. what, you know, yeah. and they tried to keep her off of the dialysis and, you know, it just so many things. And it's not about, um, at that point, something that she's done, you know? No, no. That's something that couldn't be controlled. The, the chronic mm-hmm. kidney disease from type two diabetes, hypertension, mm-hmm. uh, that can be controlled by, you know, dietary choices and things like that. Unless mm-hmm. you're a type one diabetic, some people are born with diabetes, you know, juvenile mm-hmm. type one. So, uh, but you know, if if you manage your diabetes well, and that and that's where dietary choices and uh, mm-hmm. being being engaged with the you know uh, dietitian things like that, that's where mm-hmm. uh, that plays a role. Exercise plays a huge role. That was mm-hmm. something that was missing in my life for a long time, and so those type of things. Uh, but uh, one other question: Do you do you think, and you you answer this as honestly as you want, but do you think that uh, politics and uh, money? I mean, as you know, you know, it seems like the whole world just revolves around um, business mm-hmm. and money, and unfortunately, uh, you know, it's 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 ugly. But it's sometimes it is, you know. And do you think that there's an ugly side or or a bad side of uh, of transplant? Well, you know, that's an issue that um, we were exploring. Mm-hmm. And when I probed experts about whether or not they thought, for example, that mm-hmm. African-Americans were less likely to be referred 
by their nephrologists for transplant. Um, sort of this, they're regulated to being on dialysis. Like, you know, no one even told them that, you know, a transplant was an option, um, that sort of thing. Um, or this whole conspiracy to keep people on dialysis uh-huh. um, because of, you know, the, the money that's made from an individual being on dialysis. Um, I don't know the exact numbers, but when you think about it, um, it, and you know, I just spoke to someone the other day and she, she's in LA and she said to me, um, well, I go in dialysis centers all across LA, all over the place. And I, and I never see, you know, African-Americans in my dialysis centers. I, I never sure. see, you know, an African-American, mm-hmm. not at all. And, and you know, I don't know what that is. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, yeah. there, there must be. But when you look at the numbers, you know, of course, you know, we are still a minority. I mean, you're not going to walk through, you know, no- North Dakota and find, you know, <laughs> tons right. of African Americans on yeah. in dialysis units. But what you will see is that the numbers, you know, the, mm-hmm. are, the, the population compared to the number of people mm-hmm. who are waiting for kidneys. Sure have kidney disease. And so with that, there's a lot of conspiracy theories about, you know, people keeping um, individuals on dialysis for monetary gain. Now, whether that's true or not, I haven't done the research. I have no one to corroborate that story. Um, has it been suggested by individuals? Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, so how... Well- Deep, I'm I, going to go into that subject in the film. I'm not mm-hmm. sure right now because you okay. know, it just be a rabbit hole, but it's definitely yeah. something that has mm-hmm. been brought up. And I don't know if something like that will detract from the experience of the individuals. And that's largely what I want people to feel is the what it feels like, the experience, what people miss out on their day to day, and to literally be able to, when they leave the theater, have have lived in their shoes and experience it and leave thinking, Hey, you know what? I really don't wish this on anyone. I really don't wish this on, you know, anyone in my family or in, you know, I'm going to take care of my body. I want to make sure that all my family members are taken care of and be healthy as I can be. So if I need an organ or if someone else in my family needs an organ, I can step up and be a donor. So I really want the experience is what will be key. Yeah. Well, you know what? After this one's very successful, and I'm sure it's going to be because I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> uh, but maybe that could be a, a, an ideal for, for another uh, another docu-series or docu, docu-film or whatever, uh, talking mm-hmm. about, you know, uh, the, 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 the dark side of, uh, of transplant. You know, I just watched the movie or it was on Netflix uh, called the God committee, which uh, there was a uh, God committee back, I think in the sixties or something. And it actually determined uh, who got, who got dialysis and who got a transplant. And, and it was all determined on different factors. And I guess it was like on uh, race, color, uh, creed, uh, monetary, where, what kind of job you had and all this type of stuff. And uh, man, it was, I mean, it's just scary to, to think that there was a board out there that actually judged you, uh, not as a person, but by a bunch of, 
you know, just numbers and categories and t- statistics, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, unfortunately, I really, truly think that that plays a huge part in a transplant, whether people want to uh, admit it or not. I believe it plays a role. I believe that it still is a factor. And uh, I believe it's a huge factor. Um, and I believe money's a part of it. I believe it's a, a part of a business. And uh, I do. I believe that nephrologists should be pushing their patient more toward talking with their family member and getting lined up with a donor a lot sooner than what they do instead of just pushing them toward the dialysis centers. Hey, we need to get you toward, get you ready for dialysis. No, you need to start toward, let's get you educated and find a donor. Let's get you out of dialysis. We don't need to go to dialysis. We try to get you a donor. But it's a whole nother story. Like you said, we could turn that into a whole nother movie <laughs> for another time. But um, Absolutely. Erica, I see um, I see Dr. Brookins in the comments. Hi. Oh, yeah. Dr. Brookins in the house. And she actually <laughs> when she was and she's also a change maker. And when she was on the show, she gave um, she dropped a huge gem and listed in the comments, if you remember, um, Sharika, because I I can't remember the exact number, but when she was saying that you could refer yourself, well, Dr. Modlin said the patients are able to, I have the, on day one appointment. Yeah, she's talking about what I said on uh, pushing people toward um, oh, yeah. finding a donor. Gotcha. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. She's one of the good. She's oh. one of the good nephrologists that talks to her patients about getting a transplant early. And that's, that's awesome. Cool. And she also mentioned that you could actually start referring yourself. And I, I, I can't remember if it was like twenty percent. Sharika, yeah. can you drop a comment and let us remind us yeah. how soon? What is the kidney? What does your kidney function have to be at when people can start? actually yeah. uh, re- referring themselves to to get a transplant and i think that is so critical because yep. you know even the girl in my film you know she they were waiting for permission yeah know? yeah and- i did the same thing i waited until they pr- approached me i'm talking about my nephrologist they finally approached me mm-hmm. and said hey uh we're gonna send you down to san antonio to get you ready for transplant you got to get you know, you got to get screened and go down there for the big screenings. You know, it was like a whole day long thing. But had I, I didn't know as a patient that I could have actually went and done that myself. I could have been listed at multiple uh, locations. A lot of patients think that they can. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm already registered. I'm registered at this hospital. No, you can get registered at multiple locations. And I, mm-hmm. you know, knowledge is power. It, mm-hmm. it really is. Oh, she said 20 uh, percent. Yeah, twenty percent. Yeah, yeah. I thought I remember twenty percent because I remember being shocked. Yeah. Yeah, talking about it before. Absolutely. I mean. Absolutely. Yeah. Now knowledge is key. Mm-hmm. So. That people and, just don't know. I mean, that's um. Yeah. That's yeah. a whole other movie. <laughs> it really is. It's so. It really is. Uh, my wife chimed in, wanted to know the name of the documentary. It's called "Let There Be Life." Mm. And uh, babe, I, I'll show you. I'll share all that information with you, hun, when you get home. <laughs> but um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, maybe before we end the show, you can uh, give give someone out there uh, what. what
really like to get from from the whole experience. You know what? You you were um what we say on Clubhouse in the Matrix. I didn't hear anything. I was in, I was in the Matrix. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't hear anything that you said. I cut out. I think I cut out for a minute. Yeah, you were a little, <laughs> a little cut out. You cut out a little. Oh, my bad, my bad. Just a little bit. I, I did hear you. <laughs> yeah, it happens sometimes. What I was saying was, is after everyone watches the, the documentary at the end, what do you want them to get when they leave there uh, or, or after the experience? What do you want them to get from the documentary? Well, yeah, exactly. Like I said, it's, you know, I'm, you know, as I cut down and, you know, heads are rolling, I'm like, out of here, out of here, out of here, out of here. I really want it to be about the, the experience, what people feel, what they, the traumas, you know, the economic traumas, the, the caregiver, what they experience, you know, remembering to take the meds, everything from A to Z. It's the experience that I want people to, to connect with and really walk away thinking, I'm so glad that's not me. And if it were me, you know, I would want to have an organ to save my life. And if that's the case, what can I do to make sure that I'm not in that position and make sure my family does not end up in that position. And the first thing is, you know, taking care of yourself, um, getting your checkups, staying, staying up to date with what's going on with your body and absolutely just not ignoring signs, headaches and symptoms and things like that. It's really easy to, to keep pushing. I mean, we're all, um goal oriented i mean not all but you know a lot of right. us are ambitious and trying to do so much and you know self care is not on the map and you know when we eat whatever you know so yeah. i think we have to start thinking about you know how we can walk away and uplift the community to just be healthier and stronger and so they can donate and you know even yeah. another level is altruistic donation a living donors donating and understanding that the technology has come so far that it's it's not something that could limit life after you if you're a living donor and you have to don't or just donating altruistically even if it if it isn't a family member it's it's really something that i think people have to they have to get used to that idea to just be able to step up and say hey i'll be an organ donor you know just Exactly. On the clear blue sky, you know. So yeah, with shows I, like yours, I'm sorry, with shows like yours and people out trying to just normalize the conversation and um, give people hope. Um, absolutely. I really think that um, in the future it, it won't be such a taboo and a taboo topic mm -hmm. that people have to to run up against at the last minute when they're you know really at the end stage. Yeah, disease. absolutely. You know, we just got to make it cool. You know, it's got to be trendy. Uh, it's got to be, but it's got to be something that, that, that sticks around. It doesn't need to be a fad. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be something that, that sticks around and it's a, a sense of normal. It's like, oh, okay, you're a donor. Yeah, me too. You know, and that yeah. type of thing uh, where it's just commonplace. It's not something that we sit around and contemplate. Hmm, are you a donor? Should I be a donor? No, no. You know, it's just, it's like a sense of normalcy. Um, uh, 
you know, it's starting to become a normal thing <laughs> in a way. But um, That's true. listen, and I really I appreciate you coming on tonight. Um, any ideas when you're going to drop the documentary? Any ballpark time or do you know exactly? This year. It's going to be this year. Come hell or high water. This year. <laughs> this Absolutely. Year. Oh, yes. Trust me. It's yeah. coming out. Um, absolutely. Um, September, you know, the festival circuit starts in September. Mm-hmm. So um, look for, you know, a premiere around then September, October. Mm-hmm. And with that, fingers crossed. I, I mean, I, <laughs> we didn't even, we really didn't get to expand a lot on your show uh on instagram but uh you you do host the change maker shows on mondays mm-hmm. um who 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 do you have maybe coming up that you maybe want to talk about that may be coming on next that you may want to just pop out there and, and say <laughs> well next coming up this monday we have a we have a beauty pageant queen who um she's she's now pursuing her goal to 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 be a um, beauty queen and she's on the, she's a beauty pageant uh, queen and she's uh, trying to become miss of hers. I'm, I'm not really well versed in the beauty pageant arena, but she's a, a gotcha. beauty. She's an aspiring beauty queen who, um, who recently got a transplant. And she said when she won her last title, that organ donation was her platform, and she intends to continue using um, organ donation as her platform as she pursues her interest in pageantry. Mm-hmm. And then we'll have we'll have a, a transplant surgeon the following week, a lady transplant surgeon. We've had a man transplant surgeon. We're gonna have a few lady transplant surgeons coming up. Um, yeah, so. Hmm. That's, a, that's a, a great thing. And I wanted to to shout out uh, Dr. Callender, who was on the show. Um, he, um, you know, the granddaddy of transport surgeons, um, he mentioned one thing that we should uh, be looking at is the demographic in the, the elementary schools and the middle schools. And I think focusing on the kids is a good way to make this cool. You know, he pointed out that we really should be targeting our outreach to the younger generation um, and starting there. And my outreach campaign with the film is is going to be just that, you know, targeting that demographic. So a lot of the modules that will be cut for the outreach campaign will be for um, health programs in schools and, you know, middle elementary high schools trying to get kids aware with aware of what organ donation and kidney disease and all of these things are. So when they get to the DMV or the Department of Motor, Motor Vehicles or whatever it's called where you are, where you get your driver's license, mm-hmm. have some inkling of where, of what it is and why it's so important. And so I think, you know, Dr. Callender made that point and, you know, that was, you know, right he hit the nail on the head as to where we should be um because you can't teach you know for lack of a better phrase it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks so when we're trying to beat people over the head you know about something that they've already convinced themselves of it's a little harder 
you know? So um, if we're going to make true change, starting with the younger generation may be the way to go. So I encourage everyone to reach out in your communities to, to the younger kids, even, you know, in middle school, start there and uh, just start spreading the word and trying to get somehow engaged with the, the schools, the whoever's in charge of school services and do, you know, some type of little talk, even if it's not a part of the curriculum per se, you know, they have guest speakers and trying to just get yourself in a school, you know, and make that your mission to just go and talk in schools in your community, mm -hmm. do 10 schools this year, and you will have already, you know, touched or made, raised awareness for that demographic. So it doesn't have to be a whole program that you roll out in school systems because, you know, they're slow, you know, the bureaucracy mm -hmm. boards of education, oh my God. But, sure. you know, they always have guest speakers and someone like you, Jonathan, who has a podcast and you know, multimedia, you know, you could be teaching the kids not only about organ donation, but how to do this sort of thing and have kids maybe even help yeah. through your podcast. So there's so many ways to get sure. the kids involved. And um, yeah, I encourage everyone to to expand your your outreach to to that population. That sounds awesome. Um, great, great ways to Great, great ideals to uh, get the point across and, and starting with the children uh, in there. There's a scripture that talks about uh, training up a child in the way they should go. Mm -hmm. uh, when they grow old, they won't break away from it or go away from it. And mm -hmm. uh, I believe that you, you, you've got something great there that uh, mm -hmm. if, we, if we teach them while they're young mm -hmm. uh, and get it embedded in them, then, yeah. you know, then the rest of their life, I think they're going to be OK and. And it, it'll be it'll be a new way. And I, I, I think that that would be great. And I think you got some great ideas there. And I look I definitely look forward to your uh, new shows coming up mm. on uh, Instagram on uh, Changemaker Mondays. And um, I really appreciate you coming on tonight. You've been an awesome guest. Uh, I know we ran over a little bit longer than That's what okay. we expected. You know, my <laughs> little guy is celebrating. He's in there with that iPad just driving <laughs> Mario Kart. He couldn't be happier. So, you know, it's yeah. fine. I, I told him, I said 30 minutes, but he's, 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 yeah. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> she introduced me, her son at the beginning of the uh, show and backstage <laughs> and uh, he, she has a, a beautiful son. So, uh, thing, yeah. And uh, it, so I really look forward to this documentary. I hope you guys out there will go uh, catch it. Uh, can't wait for it to drop. Uh, I'll, I, I have it right here. I have the clip uh, inside the interview. So you guys can definitely refer back to this interview mm -hmm. and uh, watch this. And um, I, I kind of feel like I need to have you back on the show. We could probably go another Please. hour if we wanted to. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, great stuff. Appreciate everyone for uh, showing up tonight and showing support and love for Hope with Jonathan. Uh, you guys are amazing. And uh, really appreciate uh, our guests tonight. You guys are uh, just incredible. We can't do this show without you guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, God bless you guys. Y'all stay safe out there. Remember to take care of your kidneys. I got one more comment here, and then we're going to jump off. Let's see who this is from. P. Williams. Hey, P. Williams, thanks for showing up. Enjoy the topic tonight. Yes, we have the speaker back. We'll follow guest speaks on the Instagram. All right. Thank you, P. Williams. Yes. Thank you, P. Williams. Thanks. Appreciate it. 
And uh, shout out to my wife, says great podcast. So thanks again, uh, Hunt, for support <laughs> always. And uh, again, the Dr. Brookins. Oh, Dr. Brookins, Dr. Brookins in the house. Uh, I believe it's uh, remote renal care, I believe is what she has. And uh, amazing stuff. I'm trying, I'll have her on the show in February. So uh, looking forward to have her on the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, another incredible uh, influencer. So appreciate your support. But hey, guys, again, appreciate all the support for the show. We're going to run for now. I'll take Hey, guys, this is Jonathan, the host of the Hope with Jonathan podcast. And hey, guys, Hope with Jonathan now has a website, www.hopewithjonathan.com, where you can go over and find out where to follow us on all of our social media links, our podcast, our YouTube channel, and much more. Again, guys, for more information on Hope with Jonathan, you can go to www.hopewithjonathan.com. Hey guys, have you checked out Kidney Conversations, a new series brought to you by host Hope with Jonathan and KWM's Kidney Warrior merch, Kyle Hawkers from Toronto, Canada. Yes, it's a brand new series brought to you by us for you as the kidney patient. We're trying to inform, educate, and inspire by sharing and spreading awareness for kidney disease, dialysis, kidney failure, transplant, organ donation, and so much more. This is a brand new series, guys, brought to you by Hope with Jonathan and Kidney Warrior Merch. What we're going to do is post weekly on our pages across social media. Right now, it's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And then on Friday, we'll be releasing an informative video over on Hope with Jonathan. Check it out, guys. Kidneyconversations.info. Hey, guys. Thanks again for tuning in to the Hope with Jonathan podcast. I really hope you guys enjoyed that awesome podcast with Eric and Nicole. Uh, Man, what an incredible advocate. And I really enjoyed her. Really enjoyed being on uh, her show as well with Changemakers over there on Instagram. And uh, if you guys aren't already uh, following her over there on Instagram, please check her out over there. And uh, again, guys, we really hope that you guys will support us over on YouTube. If you haven't already subscribed to us, go check us out. Go check out what we're doing over there on YouTube. We could really use your support. Uh, Right now, we're sitting around 289 subscribers. We'd like to push that closer, as close, as close as we can get to 1,000. And that is our goal at this point is try to reach 1,000 subscribers uh we kind of feel like with that kind of support that we're really uh getting getting the word out there about kidney disease and getting the word out there for people's stories who are in need of a kidney donor 
And so uh, if you guys would please support us over there on YouTube, it, it would it would really, really, uh, I'd really appreciate it. It would help us out so much. Help continue to push us out there in the algorithm. I think on the next level, once we reach 300 subscribers, we'll go into another another tier of the algorithm on YouTube and, and we'll be pushed out into the algorithm a little bit more uh, where others would still continue to be able to see us um, a, a lot broader on a, on a broader scan. But hey, guys, listen, I really appreciate your support. You can check us out, hopewithjonathan.com. Follow us, subscribe, uh, you know, like all of our social media. We're on uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, TikTok, <laughs> you name it, we're on it. Guys, go check us out. Again, guys, um, we really appreciate it. God bless you guys. Stay safe out there. Remember to take care of your kidneys. God bless. This is Jonathan.